Good evening. I've come with um, my friend, um, my friends, Paul. Paul is one of the leaders in our teaching ministry, and Leke. Leke is also one of the leaders in our teaching ministry. And my wife, Shion, who um, first and foremost is my wife. <laughs> so good evening. Good evening. Good evening. God bless you. Or as we say where I'm from, good evening. Good evening. Yeah, it's the same thing. <laughs> it's always good evening or good morning. I have so many friends here. Um, I can see faces that I'm a bit familiar with. Um, I've been here a few times, not to speak, just to worship. I've been here in your, remember when you used to do night of worship? Yeah, I was here a few times. I'll just sneak in and just get some worship fuel, you know, and then go back. So it's been amazing because we also do the same. We have night of worship every quarter. And I thought, oh, let me go and spy. <laughs> let me go and spy. What's going on there? Um, yeah, I met Gary. Gary's taking me out for coffee, you know, um, before the lockdown and all of that. And Gary came to speak in our church during the lockdown. He didn't leave behind his coffee and his Jesus hair. But, <laughs> yeah, he came with them even though we were on Zoom. All right, God bless you. Andy has been a blessing. He spoke, one thing he didn't say was when we had a night of prayers, he spoke there and it was a blessing. Thank you, sir. God bless you. God bless you in Jesus' name. Ah, Loba. Hmm. Loba's dad was my professor of electronics, uh, probably 27, 28 years ago when I was studying um, engineering in Nigeria. His dad was one of the few faithful lecturers with the, who, you know, who just taught us and really poured into us. So thank you. God bless you. God bless your dad. God bless your family. In Jesus' name. God bless you. Shall we, please, if you don't mind, please stand with me as we read the word of God. We're going to read from 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles chapter 7. 2 Chronicles. I'm going to read chapter 7 um, from verse number 1. 2 Chronicles chapter 7 from verse number 1. When Solomon finished praying, fire flashed down from heaven and burned up the burnt offerings and sacrifices, and the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. The priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glorious presence of the Lord filled it. Now, if you're wondering what version I'm reading, I'm reading from New Living Translation. I'm going to take you from verse 3 now. It says, when all the people of Israel saw the fire coming down and the glorious presence of the Lord filling the temple, they fell face down on the ground and worshipped and praised the Lord saying, He is good. His faithful love endures forever. Does anybody want to shout this evening and say, He is good. And His faithful love endures forever. Then the king and all the people offered sacrifices to the Lord. King Solomon offered a sacrifice of 22,000 cattle and 120,000 sheep and goats. And so the king and all the people dedicated the temple of God. The priests took their assigned positions. And so did the Levites who were singing, His faithful love endures forever. They accompanied the singing with music from the instruments King David had made. For praising the Lord. Across from the Levites, the priests blew trumpets while all Israel stood. Solomon then consecrated the central area of the courtyard in front of the Lord's temple. 
He offered burnt offerings and, fat of, and the fat of peace offerings there. Because the bronze altar he had built could not hold all the burnt offerings, grain offerings, and sacrificial fat. For the next seven days, Solomon and all, the, and all Israel celebrated the festival of shelters. A large congregation had gathered from as far away as Lebohamath in the north and the brook of Egypt in the south. On the eighth day, they had a closing ceremony, for they had celebrated the dedication of the altar for seven days and the festival of shelters for seven days. Then at the end of the celebration, Solomon sent the people home. They were all joyful and glad because the Lord had been so good to David and to Solomon and to his people, Israel. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen. Kindly be seated. God bless you. Thank you for standing. Thank you very much. God bless you. God bless you in Jesus' name. I want to talk to you tonight about the price of glory. The price of glory. I'm going to try and be uh, brief about it. And the reason I say that is because throughout the course of this month, we've been talking about the glory of God from glory to glory in our church. So I thought, you know, God, can I just move away from this topic completely and speak to the people about something different? And God said, no, this is a setup. You're going to stick to this. All right. So um, forgive me if I have a lot to say in a few minutes. Also, I have a habit when I get excited to move at um, just about 200 miles per hour. So if I see you squinting your faces, I know, oh, BJ, slow down now. Behave. 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 Every time I study the Bible and I read about the temple, it's always fascinating because the, the, the specification and the, and the dimensions and the structure of the temple were very specific instructions given to God, uh, given by God to Moses in the book of um, Exodus um, 33 you, or thereabout, you see. And it, it was very, God was very peculiar and particular. My wife's younger sister, Odum, she also lives in this town. She's a praise worship leader. Um, she has a daughter called um, Essay. I said, what's your name? I said, my name is Eshai. Um, you know, she, she's very particular. So she would say things like, can I, have a, can I have pizza with barbecue sauce on it in a red plate, please? And my water in a red cup as well, please. Thank you. She's always very specific and very particular. So my mom was saying to us last week, she says, now she doesn't want to wear, you know, knick trousers anymore. Because in her school, all the girls wear dresses to school. Or in her nursery, they wear dresses. She says, oh, my friends wear, you know, they wear dresses. Can I have dresses, please? So, yeah, you will get some dresses when we go to town. He says, yeah, can we get those ones with flowers, red flowers on them? And then the ones with, you know, pink ribbons. And she's probably describing the clothes, you know, our friends in school wear. But she's so particular. And you can see she's only, what, three years old. But the personality and the character is amazing. It's coming out. You can see it. God is very specific when he talks about the temple. God is very specific when he talks about worship. Very, he doesn't miss words. He's very clear, very absolute, very definitive in the things that he requires of us as his children. He said to Moses, take care that you build according to the pattern that was shown to you on the mountain. Where? Which mountain? The mountain of prayer. He went up to Sinai to pray to the Lord. And the Lord showed him specifically what he wanted. God is very specific when it comes to the dimensions and the structure. Hello, how are you? God is very specific and very particular, you know, in the structure. I told you I'm a bit weird. 
<laughs> God is very specific and very particular about what he wants to do in the temple. In the temple. The Bible says that the glory of the Lord resided in the temple. He lived in the temple. When the, when the, the Israelites were in the wilderness, they, they had a very bad experience because the, the glory of the Lord didn't go right into the temple per se. He stayed at the doorpost of the temple. In fact, as a matter of fact, Moses had to move the tent of meeting. He had to move it outside of the camp, you know. It was called a place of meeting, not because they went there to meet. They hardly ever went there. It was Joshua, it was Moses, people like that that went in there most of the time. They used to stay by their doorposts and just mourn and fast and beg God for forgiveness for their sins. It was called a tent of meeting because it was where God met with the people. God wanted to meet with them. God wanted to speak to them. Not that they wanted to meet with God. The thing that we don't understand is that the glory of, of, the, of the Lord lives in the temple. The glory of God lives in the temple. I want you to settle that in your minds. The glory of the Lord always resides in the temple or on the temple. Because we see in the tent of meeting that the glory stayed by the lintel, it stayed by the doorpost, you know, and when they go in, they go under the glory. And in fact, when they went around, as they moved around the wilderness, they wouldn't move if the glory wasn't moving. In that Exodus 33 that I, I talked about earlier, Moses said to God, he said, God, I'm not going to move. You've been telling me move, move. I'm not going anywhere unless you go with me for these people are your people but because God Moses knew that God was angry with the people why because of their sins he said I'm not going anywhere he says don't worry my glory will go with you my presence will abide with you and then I thought that would be enough he says God show me your face he says show me your face and God says back to him I'm not going to show you my face I'm not going to show you everything about me I'm going to go before you and I will, my glory will go before you. When my glory goes before you, I will cover your eyes. Then when I go past, you will see a bit of me. You will see, the, my, you know, you will see the, my back. And you will see my glory. You will experience my glory. But not in the, in the literal sense because nobody can see me in my fullness and survive. Isaiah chapter 6. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 6 from verse number 1. It was in the year King Uzziah died, Isaiah chapter 6, verse number 1. It was in the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. It was in the year that King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphims, each having six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they flew. They were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations. And the entire building was filled with smoke. Isn't that similar to, isn't that similar to what we had during the dedication of the temple? When Solomon dedicated the temple, he said the people shouted so loud. The glory of the Lord was so powerful in the place. They could no longer continue to do what they were doing. He said, but the, the foundations of the temple shook. The whole place, the atmosphere shook because of the glory of, the, the, the glory of his presence or the glorious presence of the Lord. The presence of the Lord filled the temple. When his presence is in a place, his glory is in that place. His glory is in that place. His beauty is in that place. His awesomeness is in that place. His majesticness, if there's a word like that, is in that place. 
It's aura. You know, these days we say energy. Oh, I like our energy. I like his energy. You know, what I, I don't know what that means, but the presence of God comes with his energy and his power and his glory and the awesomeness of his presence. His beauty. His miracles. His healings. His breakthroughs. Everything comes with his glory. The Bible describes his glory. The word that describes his glory in the New Covenant, in the New Testament, is the word Shekinah. Now, if you're American, you might say Shekinah. But it's the word Shekinah, which talks, the real meaning of that word is to rest upon. It means to dwell, to settle in a place. That was, that's what it really means, to settle. And I want to let you know that the glory of God wants to settle on his temple. That's the, that's the design. That's part of the design. You know, we know of the dimensions and the measurements and the length and the width and the breadth. But we also know that part of that design is that the glory of God will be in the temple of God. This is the thing that we don't often think about. But in the book of Romans and the book of Corinthians, Paul writes to those two churches and says, well, Do you not understand that your bodies are the temples of the living God. Do you not understand that your bodies, that you as an individual, individual entity, God wants to dwell on you. He wants to dwell in you and he wants to dwell on you. The power of the Holy Spirit wants to fill you. The presence of the Holy Spirit wants to engulf and enwrap around you so that you can shine the light, so that you can carry that aura, so that you can carry that energy, so that you can carry that presence, not just in the physical church, but everywhere you go, within the community, in your places of work, everywhere you find yourself, you carry the presence and the glory of God with you. And this is really important. Really important. It's really important because we live in a society today where people can hardly see any difference between the church and the world. That's not because the church is not different from the world. There are still holy people. There are still people who serve God with all their heart. The problem is that there are more people who just generalize church today. Not that they're not good Christians. It's just that they just, we just, we kind of, I didn't say trivialize. No, but we, we generalize. Oh, yeah, we're all children of God. Oh, God is amazing. God is good. And that's true. That's profoundly true. God is good. God is amazing. But God is also a consuming fire. And we ought to carry the presence of God to our community. We can solve social problems with the glory of God, with the grace of God in us. We can solve community issues. We can provide leadership. We can provide service. We can serve better in our communities through the grace of God that comes from the awe and the presence of God that we carry in us. If you go further in that story, I was reading to you from Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah, after he had experienced that, this revelation, he, said, he says to himself, he said, whoa, wait a minute. I'm in trouble. In fact, he cursed himself. He said, I'm cursed. Who am I to see the presence of the glory of God and be alive? How could I feel the presence of the glory of God? He says, the, let me take you a step back. He says, the train of his robe filled the temple. Imagine you went to a wedding party or a wedding ceremony. So there was a wedding service here. And the, bride, the, the wife comes, um, the wife to be, she comes in. And as she comes through the door, she's coming in. And the, the train, the, 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 the tail of the, of the dress she's wearing, and the people who are, who, who are right behind her as a train and are ushering her in, they are more than the entire congregation. They fill the whole place and they cover the place and, and her dress is so magnificent and it covers everybody up. 
Just think about that. Imagine that for a moment. He says the train of his robe filled the temple. His glory fills everywhere. His power fills everywhere. His presence fills everywhere. His aura, the magnificence of his glory fills everywhere. I want to invite you believers, children of God, to experience that glory. Even if we just carry today a modicum of that glory, our community will never remain the same. Our churches will never remain the same. Our society will never remain the same. In the year that King Uzziah died, in the year of the humbling of politics and government structures, in the year when what we thought was going to work didn't work, does is that beginning to sound familiar? In the year that we thought, you know, we're, now we've had enough of COVID, surely, surely. Do you know one of the things that stood out in the beginning of COVID was people said this is like a warfare. This is like biological warfare. You remember that? Says the way we need to respond, we ought to respond. This was the justification when the uh, Nightingale uh, hospitals were built. This was the justification for allowing military servicemen to go around and help out. Says it's a bit like when there's warfare as well, because we're at the highest level of a disease outbreak you could ever have. That's what a pandemic is. You thought that was enough, right? You thought everybody would want peace, right? You thought nobody would be so, you know, we're too worried about COVID, that we're too worried about looking for a solution and looking for the right vaccines and looking for the right community processes and how we're going to make this work and make sure everybody's safe and well, that nobody, surely nobody will ever think of starting a war. But look where we are. In the year that King Uzziah died, in the year of humility, in the year of humbling of God, when all our pillars and our structures are out of order, the devil will try to strike further. But listen, the glory of the Lord is present with you. The spirit of the Lord is present with us. For you know, we are the temple of God. I know that in the old covenant that I read to you, it talks about the physical temple. But I know that you understand. I know this is a well-taught church. I know you guys know the word of God. I follow all your sermons. I regularly listen to your podcast. I know that you know the scriptures. And that makes it a bit difficult to preach to you, by the way. Because I know you know the things I'm talking about. You know, there's no, nothing challenging per se, other than the spirit of God challenging you. But I want to ask you this morning, or sorry, this evening rather. Do you feel like you carry the glory of God? Do you feel like you carry the presence of God? Do you feel like there's an anointing on you? There's something about you. Not about you being proud. No. Not about you being, you know, upbraided and just feeling yourself. No. But do you feel that God actually has something on you that is making a difference in you? Do you understand what I'm talking about? Do you feel like your children, there is something about them? Every time they come out of the children's ministry, there is something about them. There's something that's shaking their friendships. You know, there's something that's filtering in their, you know, their friendships. And they, they're just coming out with friends. The kind of guy, guys and girls they come home with now are just kind of, you know, God-fearing people. Something is changing about them. There's an anointing upon them. There's a, there's a kind of anointing that purifies them. There's, a, there's an awesomeness. There's an aura. There's just something about these people because they're reflecting. They're shining forth the glory of God. The glory of God is the resting presence of God upon his children. God wants to guide you by his glory. God wants to decorate and beautify your life by his glory. God wants to change our society through his glory. His glory is the operation of his power. He's the move of his spirit. 
He's a light of his glory. The Bible says that Moses, after he had been on the mountain and he had prayed and spent time in the presence of the Lord, he came off of the mountain and came down to the people. When they saw his face, they were so afraid. How do you see somebody and you are so afraid? He says because the, his face was shining so bright, the intensity was so strong that the people requested that a veil, a cloth, be taken and covered to cover his face. They had to cover his face. Literally, that was the, how powerful the glory was. But you know what the Bible says to us in the book of Hebrews? It says this glory <laughs> that was so scheduled to fade away because it was the old covenant. It says this glory because it was glory of the physical temple. There was a new glory that was coming, the glory of Jesus. The glory of Jesus was coming. The glory of the new covenant was coming. The glory that never fades away. The glory that brings healing and breakthrough. The glory that not only rests on the prophets and the priests, the glory that rests upon everybody. But you see, the reason I made us to start from the dedication of the temple of Solomon was for us to understand how to invoke, how to create an atmosphere of his glory. Because sometimes we don't feel it. Because you don't feel it doesn't mean it's not there. There is something called the presence of God. And then there is the word, the manifest presence of God. As we were praying and worshiping earlier, we, God began to lay burdens in the hearts of people to speak out over certain things. And people began to be ministered to. That is the manifest presence of God. Listen to me, when we were drinking coffee, the God was still here. The presence of God was always here anyway. But the, in, in our day, we need to see that manifestation. We need to see people being healed regularly. Not because our faith is dependent on that healing. Our faith is dependent on the God who brings that healing. When children of God who spend time in worship, the Bible says the Levites prepared themselves. They did not break ranks. If you read the chapter before that, chapter 6 of 7 Chronicles, he said Solomon called out to all the Levites, all their elders and all their townships and in all their communities. He says, consecrate yourself, prepare yourself, dedicate yourself because you're going to dedicate a temple. Prepare yourself. They spend time with God. They spend quality time in prayer and in worship. They spend quality time in prayer and in worship. I know that Christianity as much as it's a collective experience, it's an individual journey. And so imagine that if you temple, if temple Jane, temple Andrew, temple BJ, temple, temple Thomas, temple you know, Peter, temple all kinds of temples, if we all come with the presence and the glory of God, we come together in Hope Church, you have spent time in prayer, you have spent time in personal worship, you have developed your personal intimacy with God in the place of prayer, in the place of studying the word of God, and then you come into this place. It doesn't take us any minute. Before you know it, the miracles are just happening. Before you know it, prophecies are just breaking forth. Before you knowing our society is changed. Twelve people shook the whole nation of Israel. How many Christians do we have in Basingstoke? What? One church, Andy? How many Christians do we have in Basingstoke? We complain that people don't go to church. People don't come, you know, like, you know, with all this COVID stuff and everything, people are so comfortable watching from home and all of that. I say watching because it's very difficult to create the same experience, exactly the same experience. That's not to, you know, say it's wrong to you know, kind of connect from home. I just wish that people would come out. You know, because the reason is because it's just different. It goes to the next level. That's not to say you're in sin or, you know, because you didn't come to church. Or, no, 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 I'm not saying anything like that. But it would be great to have you in church. Bring all that anointing. Bring it. Let's come together. Let's bring that synergy together. Let the worshipers bring their worship. Let the prophets bring their prophecy. Let the preachers bring their teaching. Let everybody come together. Let us experience the beauty of the glory of God. The Bible says the people, they were in that place. They didn't want to leave the temple. They spent 14 days in the temple. Did you see that in the reading? Seven days of festival and then seven days of dedication. They spent 14 days in the temple. They didn't want to go home. 
I was wondering when I was reading this story, how, who's, who's gonna, what, what, what are they going to do with the 22,000 cattle that were killed? Well, they're going to be there for 14 days. There's enough for breakfast, maybe on lunch. Uh, you, know. you know, like when you cook your, uh, you cook your Christmas turkey. And obviously, it's always too big. It's always too much. Everybody gets full on time. You're playing games. You're talking. You're drinking. And it's all, you know, and you have like a half of it still left. And then you start making a bit of sandwich with it. And then the next day, that day, you make some pudding. You, you just keep finding ways to use it. And after 14 days, they got fed up of eating cow. And they, <laughs> they went back home. There are two things that are very important for us to be able to not just have that presence with us everywhere we go, but also to be able to sustain it. There are two key things that are very important. Intimacy with God. Intimacy with God. Number one, extremely important. Intimacy with God. There is a dimension of prayer. Fundamentally, prayer is asking and receiving. That's what prayer is. Asking and receiving from God. That's really great. That's important. But there's a dimension, there's a dimension of prayer where you don't ask God for anything. There is a place in God where you, you, we must all attend to be in, which is where it doesn't matter whether he gives me anything or not. It doesn't matter whether he heals me or not. It doesn't matter whether it provides for me or not. I know this might be difficult for some people. I, for me to, for, I tell you personally, it's difficult for me. I'm a, Gary knows this. I'm a very open person. I don't hide anything. I've been married for, we'll be 16 years, I think, this year. We don't have kids yet. We want to have kids. Not that we don't want. We really, really believe in God for it. But for those, you know, for those 16 years we've been serving, pastoring. We started with just one member, one person. And we just kept pastoring. And I prayed to God. I said, God, you know, I feel so strongly that we're going to do it this year. You're going to do it this year. And he says, yes. He said, look at all these children I've given you. Now we are looking to extend the building because we can't keep the people. You can't take the people anymore. You know. And I'm saying, God, but I didn't give back to this one biologically. He said, yeah, I will give you your children. Don't worry about how I'm going to do it. That's up to me. He said, but serve these people first. He said, serve them. There is a place in God where he provides our needs. But there's another dimension where it doesn't matter whether he provides our needs, whether he answers our prayers or not. I know it's not easy to receive. I don't find it easy myself, but it's the truth of the word of God. King David says, though he slays me, though he slays me, I will follow him. In 2 Corinthians 12, Paul was talking about an infirmity in his body, right? He says, I pray to the Lord three times. Now, it sounded to me like three times is a, it's a lot of times for Paul to pray about something. It sounds like it's the guy that says, God, do it now. Boom! It's done. You dead, rise up in Jesus' name. They're up. It sounds like that kind of guy. Thank God for his grace on him. But he's also the kind of guy that prayed three times from his heart, poured out his heart to God, heal me of this problem. And he never had a breakthrough except the word of God that says to him, my strength, my grace is available for you in your weakness. Intimacy, the only way you can handle such things is that you have a personal intimacy, a very deep love relationship with God. 
Lord, the love of God goes beyond what he will do for you. You love him because he's God. You love him because he first loved you. You never ever allow what you request from God to be in the way of, what, of who God is to you. You never allow what you're seeking for. And it's not wrong to seek. I'm seeking, I'm praying, I'm believing God. However, you never allow that to be in the way. You never allow that to be in the way of what God or who God is to you. Paul says, I look at everything I've achieved in my life. I looked at all my trophies. I look at all my blessings. I look at all my breakthroughs. I look at all the things that, you know, I've, I've attained in my life. He says, and I count them as dung. That's like um, cowpool. Just to, I like to paint the graphics of the scriptures in people's mind so that when you go home today, you can begin to see cowpool. <laughs> it says, I count everything as dung. I count everything as lost. That the word there is really, you know, what he's really talking about there is like the mess that you throw away. I count, how can you take a trophy? Imagine winning the Premier League or the Champions League and then you tell me, I must count that as dung. Really, if, you know, personally, if the Chelsea won FA Cup yesterday, I would very struggle. I would have struggled. I support Chelsea. I would have struggled to see that as dung. That would have meant something to me. I don't know, for some reason, it would have meant something big to me. He says, but all these things that mean something big, all the successes of ministry, Oh, up church, amazing place to fellowship, you know. All the success of ministry, great place of worship. You know, people come in every Sunday. People coming in or during the week, they're coming in for extended worship. Amazing. All of those things, counting them as nothing. All, you know, all your PhDs. I come from Nigeria. We love to have degrees on degrees on degrees on degrees. And we can set up a, you know, I don't know what we do with them. We just like to have those certificates. Just piling them up there. It's just dung and, you know, they just become dung. When it becomes rubbish, it becomes cow waste in the presence of the glory of God. There are two things that are important for us to be able to carry that glory. is intimacy and humility. Intimacy and humility. A lot of Christians think that they are humble. I used to think I was humble. I used to think I was humble. Until I realized that as long as I celebrate my successes, I am saying to people that I achieved them. You know, when I celebrate them in my own strength, in my own way, like, yeah, I got that done, yeah. I'm the kind of guy that likes to say big things. You know, like, oh, yeah, let's go and run for the president of Africa. If there was, there's nothing like that. You know, I'm the kind of person that would tell you, oh, let's be, let's, Recently, I began to talk to our church about winning 10 billion souls for Christ. The entire church is 200 people. So, I realized that I'm one of those people that have to pay special attention to humility. You know, I have to be very careful and pay attention and be watchful of my character, watchful of my, of my, of my surrender and my submission to God. Let me reset. I'm going to be rounding up. Let me reset Corinthians to you. I'm looking at Gary's face. I have a feeling that I should be rounding up soon. He's probably hungry. <laughs> Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter 4. Second Corinthians chapter 4.
Let's read from verse number 5. Number 5 to 10, I think. 7 Corinthians chapter 4, verses number 5 to 10. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God said, for God who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made the light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God. So we could know, we could experience, we could yada, which means to experience, is an experiential knowledge. So that we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts. He's talking about the beauty of his glory. We now have this light shining in our hearts. But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars. Containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side. Oh my God. We are pressed on every side. But tr by troubles. I've had troubles. I've had serious troubles. I've had bills that I don't know how to pay. I found myself in situations where I didn't know how to get out of. Our brother was sharing earlier. I was just smiling like, where do you want me to start from? I could go on and on to tell you how God came through in the 11th hour. 11.59th hour. If there's anything like that. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to, sh to share. Sorry, Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. Those who will carry the glory of God will be willing to humble themselves. They will be willing to spend time in intimacy with God. If you put these two together, I have a word for it. It's called broken. The price of glory is brokenness. It's to be broken before the Lord. He says the sacrifices of God are a broken and a contrite spirit. What do you do in the temple? In those days, what did they do in the temple? They sacrificed. And so if today we want to bring back the glory, we want to experience the same power, we want the sick to be healed, we want our community to be served in the presence of God, we want the hand of God to show, we, want the, we, want, we pray for revival oftentimes, we cry out for revival oftentimes, but are we willing to be broken? Because when we come to the altar, the altar is a place of brokenness. You break the meat, you cut the meat. You have to break it. The Bible says Jesus, our Passover lamb, he has crucified himself. He has allowed himself to be broken for us. When we come to communion, to the Lord's Supper, we say we break the bread. We break it. Why? Because it's the body of Jesus. We break it. Are you broken enough to be able to carry that intimacy and fellowship? Are you broken enough? Are you broken enough for the fullness of his glory and the beauty of his glory to rest upon you? Paul was writing in, 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 in that same Corinthians, I think chapter 3. He says, when we see Jesus, when we contemplate Jesus, as we come to know Jesus, we look at him like a mirror. And as we are looking at him, we see him as he is. And we are being translated. We are being transformed from one level of glory to another level of glory in the very face and the presence of Jesus Christ. He is our example. He is our high priest. We are priests and kings. We are sons of his kingdom. First Peter chapter 2 verse 9 says, we have been raised up as priests and kings, as royal priesthood. 
a holy nation, a peculiar people, called out to show his glory. We're called out. We're separated by God to show forth his glory in the land of the living. I want to challenge you today. What's keeping you from ministry? What's keeping you from ministry? Because you know the price, to, there's a price to pay. A lot of people are running away today from serving. They're running away, not necessarily from, you know, from as a pastor, as a preacher, not necessarily as a worship leader or something, but even in your own specific ways. Maybe God is calling you out to the community to serve the community, provide food for people, look after people who are sleeping rough, something. I don't know what God is calling you to, but a lot of us are running away from these callings these days. Why? Because we know, we know there's a price to pay, and that price is paid in the place of intimacy. He's paid in the place of prayer. He's prayed on the mountain. The Bible says that Moses will go onto the mountain to speak to the Lord and the glory of God will rest upon him. If he didn't go up the mountain, the glory of the Lord didn't come. There's a price to pay. There's a price to pay for glory. There's a price to pay to be broken, to be able to humble yourself. When people come and they spit in your face, to be able to receive it. I remember a couple of years ago, before the lockdown, I thought it was good to go out on the streets of... Um, Basingstoke, because we're very quiet and easygoing people in Basingstoke, can't we? So I was in front of the mall. I was standing there and said, Jesus loves you. And sometimes I would break into a dance. So Jesus loves you. I had a message on my T-shirt. I'd give people tracks. I'm like, oh, God loves you. Hey, God loves you. How are you doing today? God bless you. And I was just, you know, spreading some good, you know, love and word of God. And I was doing amazing. And this guy comes along. I thought his face looked really handsome and he's so gentle. He would, he would talk to me. So I go to him, hello, how are you doing today? Oh, God loves you. Take this. He just spat at my face. It was before COVID, don't worry. <laughs> he just spat at me. I mean, there had be, been a couple of people, like 10 people or 12 people, or maybe 20 actually, who had squeezed the paper, this, the track I gave them, I just dumped it in the bin straight when I gave it to them. And that was okay. I, I could live with that. But when the guy spat on my face, the thing you probably don't understand, maybe only one or two people in this room, apart from you know, my friends here who came with me would understand is that I am from Lagos Island. You see, Loba is laughing now. Because how do you describe it? When you say you're from, let me find the equivalent in the UK. There is no equivalent. And I'm being serious. You can't understand. I'm from the, you know, and it's not ghetto. It's the ghetto of the ghetto of the ghetto. And that's where all, that's where all the crimes happen. That's where all the trouble happens. And that's where I'm from. And so I had a couple of ideas in my head. By this time, I was already born again for about 28 years. Let's put it in context. You know? And there were so many ideas in my head of how I could take him down and bring him down, you know? But you see, brokenness. You see why I said I have to watch myself? I'm one of those guys that I have to pay attention. Paul says, I die daily. I die every single day. In other words, I humble myself every day. I check my devotion every single day. I check my consecration every single day. I check that I'm still worthy. I make up my mind to check myself. I make up my mind to, to sanitize myself by the word of God. To, to, to be able to bring myself to a place of humility. I know I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I know the anointing of God is resting upon me. But my humanity sometimes comes in conflict with my vision and my purpose. They, they, they're fighting. They say, there's a war in my spirit sometimes. There's a war in my mind sometimes. My, fle my flesh says, punch him in the face. My spirit says, tell him Jesus loves you. But because of the weight of the glory, I was able to say, Jesus loves you. It wasn't me, it was Jesus who said it. I'm, being, I'm honest, my wife knows me. 
is Jesus. It was Jesus. Can I just say to you, the whole object of my conversation with you tonight is that the glory of God, to be able to sustain the glory of God and keep it shining bright and, you know, allowing God to move in our town, in our community, in our lives, will require us to pay a price. And that price is brokenness. Since the sacrifices of God is a broken and a contract spirit. So if you are the temple of God, as the Bible says in the New Covenant, what do you do in the temple? You break. So you are the, you are the temple. Your heart is the sacrifice. You are the temple, but your heart is the sacrifice. You have to allow it to be broken. I know many of us don't want our heart broken, you know, your boyfriends and girlfriends. You don't want your heart to be broken. That's not the type I'm talking about. I'm talking about the type that surrenders to God and just say, Lord, have your way in me. Just have your way in me. Just have your way in me. Just use me for your glory. I think the measure of the, 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 the measure of the growth of the church, and I don't mean hope church, I mean the body of Christ, that we see today is directly proportional to the level of surrender that we have in the church. How are we surrendered? How are we given? Are you totally giving out to the Lord? I know we are Christians, we love the Lord, but are we totally, it takes a lot to come on a Sunday evening to church. For once, let's be real, there's EastEnders. Yeah, you people are so posh, you don't watch things like that. I don't even have TV subscriptions. <laughs> so there's no chance of me watching that. There's Netflix. There's all kinds of things you've been doing. You could be preparing for tomorrow right now. But you're here. There's a reason. God is calling you out to something. There's a quest in your heart. There's a longing in your heart. You're I sense that you're, if you're here tonight, you're already on that journey of brokenness or you're already there. The thing with brokenness is that it's never complete. You never fully attain it. You're always pressing on. Paul says, after he's done all ministry and done every good thing in this life, he says, I'm leaving all those behind. I don't see it as any trophies. I don't see it as any good thing at all. I am going, I'm going to go back. I'm going to press on towards the mark of the eye calling of God in Christ Jesus. He says, all these things mean nothing to me. All these things mean nothing to me. Is anyone here tonight who wants to say to the Lord, all these things mean nothing to me. All these things mean nothing to me. I want to carry your presence like I've never done before. I want to carry your glory like I've never done before. I want to carry your power and your presence like I've never done before. I want to pray over the sick. I want them to be healed in the name of Jesus and yet not take the glory to myself. And yet not take the, the praise to myself. I want to carry your presence like I've never done before, but yet not take the glory to myself. Not yet not be braided up and be self-aggrandized about it and be like, oh yeah, we healed 7.1 7 people yesterday. And then you fill the internet with the pictures of people you are healing every day so that everybody knows you are a healer, the new healer in town. God is calling us to a deeper fellowship, friends. God is calling us to a deeper fellowship. There's a lot of corruption in the world that will corrupt our spirit if we don't de devote ourselves to the Lord in a deeper level of intimacy. But that cannot happen if we're not broken. To be broken is to forgo everything. He says, can I just take a moment? He said, Jesus was, Paul was writing about Jesus. He said, Jesus, who, does, who did not consider equality to, with God as something to be grappled hold of, but humbled himself and allowed himself to die on a cross. He said, for the scriptures have said, cursed is he who is hung on a tree. And therefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name that is higher and greater above every other name. That at the mention of the name of Jesus, every knee bows. 
Every knee bows. Jesus looked at his disciples. He says to them, he says, any of you, I've given up family. I've given up money. I've given up time. I've given up anything in my name. He says, you will receive it back in glory divine, but also here on this earth also. The reality of your brokenness is that God, when God sees your consistency, it will, all those things you could have been praying for, all those things you could have been chasing, he will bring them to you by himself at the right time. That's what I've seen with God. He will do what will, it will surprise you. It will amaze you how God will meet your needs. It will surprise you. But first of all, don't focus on those needs. Come to that new place. Come to that deeper dimension where those needs, they're important, but they're not, they're not as important as your relationship, as your fellowship with God. I just feel so strongly that there's a call to a deeper fellowship. There's a call to a deeper fellowship. There's a call to a deeper dimension of fellowship. There is a call tonight to a deeper dimension of fellowship. Whoa, I'm not, I'm not even sure what time you're supposed to finish. I'm so sorry. I was supposed to have 30 minutes. I think I have 30.1 minute now. <laughs> I've spent 30.1. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. Forgive me, please. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord.